Psalm 29. And if you would, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. This is the third creation psalm. There's Psalm 8, Psalm 19, and then Psalm 29. This is part of the first... There's five books. The uh, book of Psalms is divided into five books. If you didn't know that, that's uh, something uh, interesting to look into. But uh, these Psalms are not haphazardly put into the book uh, in any random order. It is very orderly. And uh, Psalm uh, 8 is one of the first peaks. Uh, you have... These psalms that build up to Psalm 8, and then they build back down, then go back up to Psalm 19, down, then back up to Psalm 29. It's very interesting when you actually see a graph of how all the book is laid out. But Psalm 8 uh, is a creation psalm. When I consider the heavens and the works of thy fingers, the moon, the stars, that thou hast ordained. Psalm 19 as well. We know that one, of course. Uh, The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork. And then Psalm 29, here we see another creation psalm. And so let's read all of these verses together today. Verse 1 together, out loud. Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thundereth. The Lord is upon many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaketh the cedars. Yea, the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. He maketh them also to skip like a calf. Lebanon and Syrian like a young unicorn. The voice of the Lord divideth the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shaketh the wilderness. The Lord shaketh the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord maketh the hinds to calve and discovereth the forests. And in his temple doth every one speak of his glory. The Lord sitteth upon the flood. Yea, the Lord sitteth king forever. The Lord will give strength unto this people, and the Lord will bless his people with peace. Let's pray. Lord, I do pray that you bless the reading of your word today. I pray that you'd help us as we see here uh, the glory that is given to you. God, you are powerful. God, may we not uh, fret in the day of calamity and trouble. Lord, may we realize that you're above all of this. You are, uh, you are powerful. You supersede and transcend the, uh, the chaos in our world. And God, you... Uh, we thank you, God, that you hold on to us. And if we would just stay uh, in your care, Lord, we don't have to worry. You will give us strength. You'll give us hope and peace in our life. We don't have to be uh, losing our head like everyone else. We are promised peace if we would just trust you today. I do ask that you would bless all that are here today. Help us get from your word what we need so that we can do right this week and trust you more and live a life of faith and not one of fear and a life of just living by sight. But Lord, help us to see uh, the, uh, the things that we need to see, the wisdom that we need to have. Give us the wisdom to make the right choices, to, uh, to know when trouble's coming and to avoid it, uh, to know uh, where to turn. And Lord, when things get difficult in our life, as they do sometimes, and it's not because of sin, it's not because of our sin necessarily, 
Uh, but Lord, yes, we do live in a sinful world and sometimes bad things happen to us and you allow that to happen. Help us to just trust you in those moments that we would not become uh, a casualty in the Christian walk. But Lord, to just hold tighter to you and, uh, and, and just get our strength from you. And, 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 and so that we don't have to uh, die on the vine spiritually and just become another castaway. Lord, help us to be a victorious Christian and, uh, and to find the, the grace that we need for that through your hand, your Holy Spirit in our life and working through us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please be seated this morning. We see those first three verses there. Uh, Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Glory do his name, worship the Lord. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thundereth. Verse 4, the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. We see that phrase, voice of the Lord, seven times in this passage. We see there that um, he is grand, he is overpowering, he is above all. Verse 5, the Lord breaketh the cedars. The voice of the Lord breaketh the cedars. He uh, makes even the trees of the forest obey him. He breaks uh, the, uh, the most powerful and mighty things in our creation. And uh, he has control over the, even the trees of the forest. Verse 26, he makes them also to skip like the calf. You think about uh, the lightning uh, tearing off large branches of a tree and uprooting the trees. And um, so that they seem to, uh, to dance like the calves and play. Uh, nothing could be more descriptive of the power of God. Do you know anyone that can do that? Verse, 20, or verse 7, I'm sorry. The voice of the Lord divideth the flames of fire. That um, word divideth there properly means to cut or to hew out. Like a rock, you'd cut or hew out something. Or like a, a, a uh, uh, the allusion here is to lightning, the flames of fire. The image is... Either that it seems to be cut into tongues of streaks or that it's dividing the clouds and you're seeing the flame or the fire uh, falling from heaven, the, 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 uh, the lightning. Verse number 9, the voice of the Lord maketh the hinds to calve. Think about that, the deer, the hinds. There in uh, the picture here is that these, even these uh, most feeble animals of the forest, the weak and the timid animals of fear, is brought into their life and they are even put into the throes of calving or even the deer fawning. And uh, God is so powerful. The effects of these storms produce consternation in creation. We see that things get stirred up. And uh, God is over all of this. Verse number 10, The Lord sitteth upon the flood, yea, the Lord sitteth king forever. Somebody shared with me verses 10 and 11 this week. And they were writing a note, and uh, shared that, and I thought, man, what does that mean? The Lord sitteth upon the flood. And I read the previous verses that I just read to you this morning. God is enthroned above and upon the storm. God presides over all of it. This may be regarded as his throne. The things that are going on in our world, even the, the natural disasters that we call them natural disasters, God's even in control of that. We don't always know why. Many times we question God. We say, why in the world, God, do you allow these bad things to happen in our world? So We've got to be careful about asking God why all the time. We just need to trust that God has a purpose for everything. But even the, the, the uh, figurative storms of life, many times we refer to the, the hard times, the trials that we're going to, 
going through, we refer to those things as storms. You know, even God is above all of that. God presides over that. That is his throne. And it doesn't affect him the way that we are affected. Uh, this last year, the last uh, about 14 months now, things have been a little bit um, disjointed in our lives. Things have been turned upside down. And sometimes we, we begin to think that God is nowhere to be found and God somehow has forgotten about us. My friend, COVID and all of the, the circumstances that we're going through has not caught God off guard one bit. God's in control of all of this. And you might be, again, questioning God, why? Why are you doing this? Just know that God is in control of all of it. We serve a strong God, and we're going to get to verses, verse 11 in a second. But I want you to know that God is above it all. He is a strong God. That word Elohim, the, the name of God, Elohim, is found in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The word for God there is the word Elohim. It's the combination of, of two words that mean unlimited strength and covenant keeper. He's a God that can do anything, and he will always keep his word. Praise God for that. God is not caught off guard by the circumstances. He can overcome all of this, but he allows it to happen uh, because of his word. You might be thinking, why in the world does God allow evil to exist in this planet? Because if God destroyed all evil, he would have to destroy all mankind, and we would not have the opportunity to repent and have mercy from God. And God is a merciful God. Yes, he's a God of judgment. He's a God that will destroy evil someday. And he will put away all of that that is wicked in this world. But because God loves you so much, he's giving you, if you're not saved, he's giving you an opportunity. And if you are saved this morning, praise God that you had the chance to receive salvation. And you had the opportunity to be, uh, to be redeemed from your sin and to be washed clean and, and to be forgiven. Praise God for that. You should get excited about the fact that you're saved this morning. You might be saying, well, pastor, sometimes it's hard to get excited because of the circumstances I'm going through. Sometimes it's hard to... Hard to see that God uh, still loves me because of all the tough times that I've faced. But my friend, you got to realize all of the bad things that happen in this world are not because of God, but because of man's sin. And we need to thank God that he's above all of this. And someday he's going to pull us out of this world and he's going to take us to the perfect place to live forever for all eternity with him and to be away from all of the tears and the death and the dying and the sadness and the sickness and the hardships of life. And God loves you so much that he's not going to let you live here forever. But because of his love and his, uh, his care and mercy, he is allowing us to go through some tough times because that's helping us to become more like Jesus. But also, it's allowing those that have not received salvation to have just one more opportunity to be saved. The Bible says in, in, in Peter, he says, well, what in the world? Is God coming back? People are going to say, is God coming back? Has he forgotten about you? And he says, oh, the Lord is coming back. But he is merciful. That's why he hasn't come back yet. He's merciful. He's allowing people to get saved, giving them an opportunity to receive 
receive forgiveness. And so that should make you happy today and excited to know, yes, things are difficult, but this world is not my home. I love that song. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. And the, the angels beckon me uh, from heaven's golden shore. Praise God, this world is not our home. Amen. And so the Lord sitteth upon the flood. He's above all of the, all of the, the, the storms in this world. Uh, and we serve a strong God, Elohim. Uh, he is the, the unlimited strength God. He's the covenant keeper God. He's a God who can do anything. And he is a God who always keeps his word. Let me tell you this morning that uh, Jesus was present at creation. Why? Because he's God. Colossians 1.16. We know that Jesus is a covenant keeper, an almighty covenant keeper God. Uh, Colossians 1.16. For by him, speaking of Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Jesus was the, 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 the visible God, the one that we got to see, the one that I, I wish I could have seen him with my own two eyes, but mankind got to behold uh, God in the flesh. Jesus was uh, Emmanuel, God with us. That's so awesome to realize that God brought himself down to lowly mankind. But Jesus, the image of the invisible God. Let that sink in. He's the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible. By the way, my friend, we might not get to see Jesus in the flesh right now today. Someday we will. But we need to be... Jesus in the flesh in the sense that we are portraying the love of Christ to others around us. We need to be Jesus with skin on. You ever heard that phrase before? We need to be uh, the love of Christ embodied. We need to be a living, walking, breathing testimony of the, of the love of God in our life, what he did for us. And, and, and when we're cast down and discouraged and, and defeated all of the time, I understand uh, temptation is there to be depressed and, and, and to be hurt at the circumstances. People do you wrong and people hurt you. And, and sometimes we, we, we even think that it's God that's doing us. And we're so tempted to be discouraged. But my friend, we need to, uh, we need to get above that and realize that God loves us. And he sent his son to die for us. And that should cause us to, to remember and to relish in the love that we have from God. That we should have gone to hell. We deserve to go there. But because Jesus died on the cross, we don't have to. And once in a while, when we're feeling down and discouraged, we might just need to remind ourselves that we don't have to go to hell. We're not going to hell. And not because we're a good person. Praise God for that. Because if it was because I was a good person, there might be some days where I would deserve to go to hell. Uh, and, and, and there might be some days where you deserve to go to hell too by the way the truth is we're all sinners so it doesn't matter how much good we do the bible says that there's none good <laughs> truly we relatively say well i'm not so bad i'm pretty good i'm pretty good but is there a perfect person are you a perfect person no my friend but because of the fact that it wasn't what we did it's all jesus he died on the cross for us we can put our faith in him and we don't have to even doubt for a second that we're going to heaven because the bible says that uh, that he uh that uh, we have our faith and confidence in Jesus Christ. And, uh, and this, these things are written that, she, that believe on the name of the Son of God that she may know that she have eternal life. Praise God for that. I know a lot of Catholics that think they're getting to heaven because they're putting their faith in man. 
and I love them, and Jesus died for them, but they're not sure of anything because their faith and confidence is in the Pope, in the church, in their good works. But my friend this morning, I'm not a good person. I'm willing to admit that. I don't have a problem admitting to you that I'm a sinner. I might not tell you every sin I've ever committed. I'm not expecting you to do that. But if we confess our sins to God and we get right with God, praise God, He forgives you. As a Christian, the Bible says, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Praise God, He loves you so much. And uh, this morning, if you're downcast and discouraged, just remind yourself that Jesus loves you. If you're not saved, get saved before it's too late. For by him were all things created that are in heaven. You know the Jehovah's Witnesses don't like this verse. They uh, don't believe that Jesus is God. But the Bible is very clear on this fact. That the visible and the invisible things were created by Jesus. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities, powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things and by him all things Consist, And he is the head of the body of the church, which is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. Now, Jesus should be first place in the church, my friend. We've got a lot of churches where the pastor is the, uh, the preeminent one. But Jesus needs to be, always be the preeminent one. Sometimes we have churches where uh, we, have, we have homes where uh, the father or the mother or one of the children is the preeminent one. But in every home, Jesus ought to be the preeminent one. He, he ought to be first place. What Jesus said says is what we should do. What the word of God says is what we should do. Amen. And uh, you should, uh, if that's not the case in your home or if that's not the case here at our church, we need to take whoever it is that's on the throne and put him off and put Jesus in his rightful place and know that the Lord sitteth upon the flood. He is above all and Jesus should be preeminent. He is above the storm. He is above the strife. And we have a strong God, Elohim, and he is the one that keeps his word and he can do anything. Praise God for that. We don't serve a weak God. I know that there's bumper stickers out there that say, is God dead? Or, uh, uh, you know, God is dead or God's asleep. Uh, or whatever, but we know that God is in control. It might not look like it sometimes because we're looking at all the destruction of mankind. We're not seeing yet what God's going to do when he comes in and he cleans house. And my friend, God will clean house someday. Praise God for that promise. But also, thank God he doesn't do it right now because some of us need to clean some house right now. And some of us need to get things right with him right now. And uh, we serve a strong God. We also serve a superior God. The word Adonai, another word for God, translated the word Lord in your Bible, lowercase o-r-d, L, capital L, lowercase o-r-d, is the word Adonai. It means one who is master. Now get that this morning. One who is master or one who is your superior. You might be saying, I don't like that. I don't like it that somebody's superior to me. Well, let's just rest in the fact that God is already Lord of lords and King of kings, and we get to serve him. Praise God for that. You need to make him Lord in your life, okay? You might be saved this morning, but you need to make Jesus Lord every day of your life. And uh, whether you believe it or not, he's Lord, and you need to start serving him as such. He is superior, and he is the Lord over you. Uh, That's Jesus, Adonai. Absolutely. Acts 10.36, Jesus is Lord of all. And... um, 
I hope that you're picking up the fact that all of these attributes that we find in the Old Testament of God are also in the New Testament. Number three this morning, we not only serve a superior God, a supreme God, but we serve a supreme God, El Elyon. El Elyon means the Most High. He is above all. He is above all. Abraham met a man, Genesis 14. His name was Melchizedek. Melchizedek. I want you to see that in Genesis 14, 18. I'll read it for you. And Melchizedek, king of Salem. The word Salem, how many of you know what that word means? It means peace. If you hear a, a Jewish person say shalom, they're just saying peace. That's what they're saying. It comes from that word uh, we have transliterated, Salem. And uh, Melchizedek, king of Salem, he brought forth bread and wine. He was a priest of the most high God, El Elyon, the Most High God. Uh, the Bible says there in Genesis 14, and he blessed him, and he said, Blessed be Abraham, or Abram, of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. If God is possessor of heaven and earth, then he must be in control of heaven and earth. Amen. He must be in control of what's going on. And uh, we can't blame him for all the bad things. We just realize again, why is he allowing it to happen? Because he's merciful. He's giving you an opportunity to get saved before he has to come and clean house. But he's still in control. You might think, well, the devil's in charge right now. Well, the devil thinks he's in charge. He's been given a little bit of a leash. He's been given some freedom. But ultimately, God is the one that holds his leash. God is the one in control. And a blessed be the most high God, which delivereth thine enemies into thy hand. And uh, we know there that uh, that's the first reference in Genesis 14. And we see uh, Abram gave him tithes. And he tithed to Melchizedek. And uh, we know uh, here in the, uh, the church age, maybe tithing wasn't directly commanded to the church, but I still follow that as a principle. And uh, it was a ceremonial law, but it was before ceremonial law with Abraham, or Abram. And it was a one-time thing. He tithed to Melchizedek. But I believe that God blesses our faith when we give. You might not call it tithing. You can call it whatever you want. But I believe that we should be giving a first fruit. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, I believe, verse 8, that we should give him uh, first fruit. We should give him uh, an offering willingly. And it's dedicated to God because we want to recognize God's ownership. See, he's the most high God. God's ownership of everything. See, uh, man invents a lot of things, but man created nothing. God created everything and gave it to man to be a steward of. And so the things that you and I possess, we're just a steward of. They don't belong to us. They belong to God. And so when we give a first fruit, when we give the first of what we receive and what God blesses us with, see, we're exercising faith in God and we're also recognizing his ownership. See, we're putting God first in uh, we're trusting him for the rest of the harvest. See, that's what they would do in the, the Old uh, Testament. They would give a first fruit offering. They would give of that first uh, crop and they would trust God for the rest. See, that's faith. And we need to live more in faith. Why would we ask God for help with our finances if we're not trusting him with our finances? Amen. That's just a little bit of logic there. But God is supreme. He should be first place. And so one of the greatest ways that we can demonstrate that we put faith in a uh, high God, a God that is the most high, is by giving him what he, he is, is, is due, what, uh, what really belongs to him. And we're exercising faith and we're saying, God, here's some faith. Here's something I trust in you. I know, God, you don't need it, 
God doesn't need it. See, sometimes we think we're helping God out. Like, oh man, God's hurting. God, it's a tough economy right now. God's really hurting. Now, I, I understand some churches struggle and things like that, but that doesn't represent God necessarily. But what we do is we, do, we practice storehouse tithing or giving here at our church, but we're, we're just giving God what he, first. Not because he needs it, but because we trust him for the rest. First fruits and uh, trusting him or giving to him in that way. Some people would say it's obedience, being obedient to God. Number four, not only do we serve a strong and superior and supreme God, but we serve a sovereign God. Your King James Version of the Bible, the word Lord, that's L, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D in the Old Testament. How many of you have ever seen that before? That's actually the word Jehovah. Jehovah. And uh, uh, that not only speaks of God's strength, but it speaks of his sovereignty. Easton's Bible Dictionary defines God's sovereignty as his absolute right to do all things according to his own good pleasure. Why does God do what he does? Because he wants to. Now, here's the deal. You might be saying, well, uh, the people in my life that do what they want to don't usually make good decisions. And they usually do bad things and they hurt people. And I don't like to be around people that just do whatever they want to do. Sounds kind of like your kids, doesn't it? Doing whatever they want to do and then getting into trouble and then you're having to iron out the mess that they make, right? But here's the deal. When God, a perfect God, a righteous and holy and a sovereign God, okay, he's allowed to do whatever he wants to do, but he's always going to make the right decision. Isn't that awesome? You can trust God. Say amen right there. We don't have to worry that God's going to make a bad decision, but he is allowed and he does all things according to his own good pleasure. As Psalm 29, verse 11, I want you to just take some comfort here this morning. Not only does God sit upon the flood, he's above all. He is preeminent. He is, uh, he is, uh, uh, he is uh, above everything. He's in charge. He's sitting upon it. It's not getting him stirred up. It's not getting him worried because the world's not coming to an end, per se. The world is coming to the beginning of what God's doing here. Uh, verse 11, the Bible says, The Lord will give strength unto his people. See, the God who has power to uphold people, the God who has power to defend them, uh, when we hear the thunder roaring, uh, whether it's a physical thunder and a physical lightning, or whether it's a figurative thing, some of you have been going through some tough times. Some of you have been hearing the thunder rolling in your life. You've been hearing the storm, and it's churning up, and we're seeing some, some difficult things happen. And uh, you see the lightning flash. But you need to realize that God is above all. And with infinite ease, he is controlling every aspect of the storm. And if you hold on to God's hand, then you have nothing to worry about because we have no reason to fear that his strength cannot support us. See, God is all-powerful. He's not even questioning anything. He's, he's saying, just trust me. We're the ones that say, God, why? God, why are you doing this? How many of you ever done a trust fall before? Now, you know the trust fall? Do you know what I'm talking about? Where somebody stands behind you and they say, just fall into my arms. You might be saying, can I just go forward just in case you don't catch me? Then I can at least catch myself at the last second. But the trust, the point of the trust fall, and we're going to do this this morning, Miss Kathy. I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm, I'm really kidding, Miss Kathy. 
what a trust fall is, is the opportunity for you to exercise faith in somebody to catch you, right? Now, your faith in that person is very important. And the person that's supposedly, supposedly going to catch you, that's kind of important. Because let's say that I'm going to do a trust fall and I'm going to trust my son who's six years old, Silas, to catch me. I really shouldn't trust him. That would not be smart. You might, say, you might be saying this morning, Pastor, you should trust your son. Don't you love him? I love my son a lot, but I know he's not going to be able to catch 245 pounds because he's only like 50 pounds himself. Unless he's like, you know, just has his Herculean strength, which he does not have, I don't think. Which I would love to think that of him, but it's not true. Now, if, uh, if I were to catch my son, see, he could put faith in me, I think. And he should. But just think, here's the deal. As big as God is, why do we question him? As powerful as he is, if he's really above the storm and we truly believe that he is supreme, he is sovereign, he is, uh, he is superior, then why don't we trust him? We've got no reason to fear that his strength cannot support us. See, the Lord will give strength unto his people. He's above it all and he'll give strength to his people, those that put their faith in him. Also, the Lord will bless his people with peace. See, the you know, sometimes God removes the storm, but sometimes God just holds on to your hand during the storm. You might be thinking, well, why doesn't he get rid of all the trials and the difficulties and the storms of life? Remember, because he's creating you to be more like his son, Jesus Christ. But also, sometimes the storm in your life is a byproduct of some storms in other people's lives. And when God's trying to get people's attention, see, he's exercising mercy. He's saying, please trust me before it's too late. Please put your faith in me before it's too late. And you, as a, as a child of God, you get to hold on to his hand and, and, and trust him because he's not going to take the storm away at this time. He's saying, you just got to hold on to my hand and have peace and, and, and put your strength in me. Or you trust in me, I'll give you strength. And, and the Bible says he'll bless them with peace. And, oh, yes, the trial is difficult and the storm is raging the lightning is flashing and the thunder is rolling but oh praise god i have his hand and more importantly he has my hand amen uh, don't be afraid of any troubles in the trials of life uh, there's peace in the midst of your storm there can be peace in the midst of the most difficult circumstance of your life but you have to put your trust in god because he is the one that provides the strength see there's peace in the midst of the storm-tossed life. I love this poem. There's an anchor. There's a rock to build my faith upon. Praise God for the rock. See, what about uh, those that don't have God? Think how, how it was before you were saved, what you were trusting in, what you were putting your faith in. See, there's a lot of sandy foundations out there. There's a lot of things that people are putting their trust in, but ultimately they all fail. Jesus Christ is my vessel, so I fear no alarm. He gives me peace in the midst of the storm. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I do pray that you bless the reading of your word today and the, the message. Lord, I do thank you for the glory that you have, your power that we can behold as we think about the storms all around us, the mighty acts of creation. God, you are, uh, you are in control of all of it. It's not one thing that's out of your care or out of your power. Because of your supremacy, your strength, 
your superiority, but also your sovereignty. May we trust in you more. Help us not to fear, but rather have greater faith. Help us to realize that our strength, if we're going to make it, we need strength. We need help. But the grace that you give has to be received. See, we can, we can forget about you sometimes. We thank God that you don't forget about us. And we can go to you and, and we can appropriate or receive the grace of God. So that's what we need, Lord. Sometimes we get so puffed up in pride, but God, you resist the proud. But you give grace to the humble. Helps us realize that in order to receive grace, we've got to come boldly. We got to come before you and receive the help that we need. And God, so many times we're we're trying to go it alone. We're trying to do it in our own power and strength because we don't want to bother you or we're too proud to confess what needs to be confessed and get right. Lord, help us to be broken over that sin. Help us be broken over the stubbornness and the pride. God, get the help that we need in that that time, that hour, the storm that we're facing, Lord. We thank you for the peace that you give to us. Sometimes you don't take it away. Sometimes you say, this is what's good for you. This is what you need. And you just hold on to our hand. Thank you, God, for the help. Help us not to forget about you. I pray that you bless this time. And as we just pray together as a church, help us to just come closer to you and then be knit closer together in this, these days of discouragement and uh, tough times. We thank you that it's not forever, Lord. We thank you so much for that. We also thank, thank you for what you're doing in the midst of all of it. In Jesus' name I pray. I pray that you saved many today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.